Right. Um, interview with Dr. Amatilla Swapo, 28th. Yeah, is it 28th? Yes. 28th of September 1979. Dr. Amatilla, the first thing which is obvious everybody asks is how is it possible for someone in your position to have made a medical examination? Was that because of SWAPO or how did that happen? Yeah, when you say in my position, what exactly do you mean? I mean an African woman living under discrimination in Namibia. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I guess there are a lot of talents hidden away under this uh, apartheid system. And uh, it really needs, if you have a strong background from your parents who, even if they are poor, who try to uh, make something out of you, try to help you to gain your confidence, you sort of grow up knowing that, after all, you are as good as anybody else. And uh, you grow up with some atmosphere which says to you, you have to show them that you are equal. And then under a sort of oppression, people come and tell you, no, you blacks, you can't become anything else, only uh, cleaning houses and secretaries. Uh, to being a doctor is something only for Europeans, you know, you have to have a brain. Then I said, I'm going to show you I've got the brain and I can become a doctor. Beside that, I always wanted to become a doctor. I saw the awful conditions in the hospitals, how our patients were lying in urine for 24 hours and whatnot, and the doctors wouldn't be found over the weekend. And people used to just die because there was no doctor. And if the doctor comes, you take the patient to the doctor's private home, he's having a party, and he just takes you out, or his wife would come out and say, he's busy or something like that. And I was really appalled by that kind of thing, and I thought I was going to become a doctor. I didn't think nursing would save the problem. Where were you born? I was born in France Fontaine. And uh, I grew up there with my grandmother. And uh, usually it's our tradition that uh, your grandparents uh, take you. They don't want you to stay in the towns. And when I was 12, my mother came and picked me uh, up. And we, I grew up in Ochuarongo. That's where I went to school. Then I uh, went to school in Agustinium. And I always happened to be either the only or the two girls all my life. I was the only girl in the medical school in Warsaw as well. How did you enroll? How did you manage that? Um, I just decided to leave Namibia one day. I felt unhappy. After finishing my trick in Cape Town, I came back and I had to work. And this man who employed me was wondering whether I could read and write, whether it was possible for me to do this and do that. And, and he had only standard six himself. So uh, I just felt that I had enough and I was going to leave. And I didn't tell my parents, I just, I just left the country. And I oh, trekked all the way to Tanzania without anything, you know, I was alone. And when I got to Tanzania, I reported at the Swapo office. But then we were just refugees, really, like 62, you know. So uh, I stayed there for two months and uh, two scholarships came from s Polish government. I was going to Germany because I spoke German, so I thought Germany would be easier. But then the Germans, uh, you know, were playing cards uh, maybe next six months or, or something like that, or maybe next year. You know, they didn't tell me what was happening. So the Polish people sent two tickets and said they, they needed two medical students. I was, um, we were two. I was the one who had the highest education who could take the medical school because the Polish government made it clear that they wanted properly, you know, proper schooling. And then I took this uh, reluctantly. I thought, well, I wanted to become a doctor, so never mind whether it's Poland or anything else, I'll, I'll go. 
that I thought the language would be dreadful and oh Poland oh I've never heard of Poland war so you that I was so furious I was I was afraid but then I thought well I'll go so I left for Poland and I was late for three months when I got there everybody spoke Polish and I've never been to Europe and I've never been with a lot of white people how old were you then I was 21 and I was absolutely I cried the whole year I must admit of course, every evening I thought, you know, December, ice and snow and no green trees, no... <laughs> oh, I thought, dreadful, what kind of life is this, you know? But the people were very friendly and they helped me. Did and you I, go to a special language? Yeah, I went to a special language school for one year. And I didn't have physics and chemistry in Namibia. And can you imagine, I was told to do one year course with physics and chemistry and if I pass physics and chemistry and the language properly, then I was to enter the university. If not, I was going to be, be sent somewhere else to take something else. You couldn't take that because of Bantu education, presumably? Bantu education. Good Lord, can you imagine? Other people are doing chemistry just to get the language, and I'm doing chemistry to understand from basis at that level. And you managed it? I learned the whole chemistry book out of my head, you know, just like a parrot. I just thought understanding at this stage wouldn't help. I better just get this stuff in my head. And uh, can you imagine I had the highest marks in chemistry? <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. But then physics came. <laughs> and you know, this. Uh, it was a lady professor. And she just asked, you know, in physics, they can always ask why that experiment and why not. And what you have to explain in chemistry, you can write down but you have to explain in physics. So when she said why, I just sat there. <gasps> I couldn't answer why. So she said, well, you have done very well in Polish. You got five in the language. You got five. Five is now the highest. The highest. Five in chemistry. And uh, I don't want you to fail because of uh, physics. So you go back and go and read for another three weeks and come back. That's fantastic. So, uh, of course, I went crying. You know, I'm not used to failing. I went crying, and my African colleagues, the, the, the male men who knew how to, who knew uh, physics before, uh, there was a fellow from Tanzania and Sudan. They sat up all day and night for those three weeks to help me. That's mad. And then, of course, I didn't pass with flying colors. I got uh, three plus, but I mean that was something. Very good. Yeah. And then uh, I decided to stay one year medical school when I started the first year in in the same town because the teachers were very nice to me and they promised to help and whatnot. So the first year we had again chemistry, physics and biology. Biology was not a problem. So I stayed there and every night when I had any problem I had to go through chemistry slowly now. So I passed the first year nicely and I could speak very good Polish. You know, I didn't know English. So it was... You learned um, Afrikaans? Yes, Afrikaans and English dictionary. You learned Afrikaans, German? Yes. And English? No, at, at I school. didn't learn English at school. school. I, I pick up English in Tanzania, and when I went there, I had to use the English, Afrikaans English Dictionary. No, no, English Polish Dictionary, and then English Afrikaans Dictionary. So it was something else. I don't remember actually going to bed before three, the whole first year. And uh, if you look at my eye, you sort of see when I'm tired, sort of a little back yes. here. I got it, I think, from that time. And, uh, well, I had colleagues who really used to help me, and uh, we worked very hard. And others used to do things in English, because my English was so bad, I went straight into Polish. 
and I learned Polish very well. Second year, I was confident enough to go to Warsaw now, to the Warsaw Medical Academy. And I had the most marvelous years of my life in Poland. All the seven years I stayed there. I completed in 69. We completed 20 of us, the first group, completed in May. We were supposed to complete in September. But then I was having a group of very good uh, uh, colleagues, Polish. We used to sit and study together. And uh, we were a very good team. I think. What did you do after that? Immediately after that, oh, everybody, the day of qualification is something else. I wish there was a film showing that. <laughs> I had so many, I've never had so many flowers in my life. And after one week, I decided to go back to Africa immediately. I went to Tanzania to do my housemanship. And I worked in Tanzania for one and a half year. While I was working in Tanzania, I saw the plight of children, malnutrition diarrheas, what not, lack of personality, and I decided to um, take a pediatric as my profession to help the children because I got so interested in pediatrics. But then I noticed that I didn't have any knowledge of nutrition, you know, to, to sort of cope with it. Then I came, applied, and I got a scholarship through the, uh, uh, what is this student group called IUEF little money but it doesn't matter I didn't and I came to London School of Tropical Medicine and did uh, one year postgraduate course in nutrition as I was just planning to go back Ben was transferred to Sweden who oh, I married already long long before that then Ben was transferred to uh, Sweden so I had to follow after Ben as usual you know a woman must follow men uh, then I stayed there for four years in Sweden now when I got to Sweden problems will never end you know when I go to Sweden I wanted to specialize in pediatrics usually it's very difficult for a foreign student to foreign doctor to work in Sweden let alone in pediatric <laughs> they said to me no you have to have a Swedish qualification if you want to specialize I think it was just a way of getting around me oh then you have to learn the language and I was furious with this man because I felt that there was something because I was black I had that feeling. I don't usually go about with that kind of feeling, but I, it, they made me feel. Because there were Polish doctors who were working normally on vicariat, so-called vicariat, that means the, the locum. They call it locum here in, in, in Britain. But then I wanted to specialize, so they said, uh, you have to uh, learn Swedish and then write the Swedish exams. And I did that. And in 18 months, I am now uh, registered uh, Legitimerat, you know, registered Swedish doctor. Then I worked in a very posh children's hospital, which is St. Joran, uh, 74 and half of 75. But, you know, pediatrics in Sweden, people are not sick there. You deal with, <laughs> you deal with um, congenital uh, defects, you deal with, well, you know, these little things which will die before they even reach a hospital in Africa. People are really, you know, you try to keep up things which ought to, not ought to really, but in Africa which will not even live through the pregnancy. And um, what they think is a problem to me, I, I used to sit there and wonder, Christ, what are they doing in the hospital for, you know? Small scratch hospital, this hospital and that hospital. But uh, I learned a lot of other good things in Sweden. Relationship between doctor and nurses, especially the nurses are very, very good in Sweden. I learned uh, how a good nurse should be. I learned what 
it means a patient nurse doctor patient relationship of course i didn't like doctor patient relationship in sweden there is almost none <laughs> everything is well i mean they have beautiful computers they have all sorts of uh, x-rays and you don't have to sweat as i'm doing in the camp you know with your little stethoscope and trying to examine here trying to do this and then you just send him into the x-ray and laboratory and you take the, then you put the papers together and then you you said well now his urine is fine today you don't have to see the patient you sit in the office and you look at the and then you tell the nurse next time take the blood for this one and you can go home you know it's not this thing of uh, in africa where patients come and cry on your shoulders yeah yeah yeah, yeah and then you've got to <laughs> really sit down and talk so i've learned a lot of good things but there are other things which are not suitable for our conditions i was glad that i was trained in poland actually because the the conditions were not really similar but something close you know after the war poland was not very rich so i i was trained in a place which is similar to africa what happened then when did you go back to and africa? then uh namibians came 74 all these influx influx so 75 i took one year uh what is it one year leave leave of absence one year it's four years now and i went to zambia to see what i could do for women and children in and the camp in the camps and i stayed there until this day i set up everything from mch units to the hospital to inpatient and outpatient mm-hmm. hospital and um now I think I can travel freely without fear of what is going to happen because I also train the nurses. I give uh, in-service training for the others who were trained in Namibia and then I'm training new nurses, first year students. And I think uh, I dare say the project is very successful. Are there any other doctors? No, I'm the only doctor in Zambia. We are only two Namibian doctors who have volunteered to come. My colleague is in Angola. He's a man and he's overworked like hell because people are many there, 10,000. I'm hoping to go down and help him a little bit now. Mm-hmm. In Zambia we are only 2,000 people. But there's no move from Zambia. I mean the headquarters is still in The headquarters is moved now. Uh, it's moved to, move to Rwanda. Rwanda. Uh-huh. And the camp is very insecure. You know what happened uh, in Zambia with know. these uh, yes. military things. Yes. I know. So our camp is very much exposed. And in the Western press, people always say it was a military base. So, so I mean, we'll be killed in that poor refugee thing, and they will, of course, say swap a military base, and somebody was bombed. It's very insecure. We are thinking of doing something about it. And the Zambians find it very difficult to protect you. Well, they can't protect their own city. I know. I mean, air power is very. <laughs> We talked you know, about that last yeah. night. Yeah. Air power is very, very strong. Mm-hmm. and uh, Zambians perhaps have decided not to do anything in order not to lose too many lives because they feel their air def- defense is very weak and the enemy knows that so they are exploiting that right at the moment are there any other women doctors at all no 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 i'm the first and the only one so far but we have medical students i think there are two girls studying it became every girl wanted to become a doctor when they saw me in the camp you know so it's uh, every girl is striving to take medicine that's marvelous <laughs> to set an example like <laughs> so, yeah i think it did something very good to the women yes every woman wants to become something and uh, if they can't get into the medical school uh, then they do nursing or they do laboratory something but everybody wants to become a doctor Uh, when I was talking to Martha Ford about the position of the women she 
made it very clear that there is still a certain barrier between men and women, with the men still taking the dominant role. Yes, it's true. <coughs> Sorry. I I don't know um, in my party, Swapo now, the men who are there sort of, I think, are used to my type of woman. I can't lie, I never had any problems. Of course, I'm doing a profession which is perhaps, you know, unique. But if, when they want to give a job to a woman, they always sort of think in terms of liberty, you know. Uh, and if you don't come up to that standard, then you can't, kind of. But it's true, uh, men will always get into the pose, never mind whether he is clever enough to do that or not. Women are not given chances. By, by chances, I mean they wouldn't go to somebody they think he's, he's poor educationally and say, well, you take this post and see what you can do out of it. That chance will be given to a man, but not to a woman. Mm-hmm. A woman has to be clever to be given a chance. They must know that she is a graduate, she can cope with this, then she gets that chance. But they cannot pick out anybody and say, well, you go to London and you go and become a representative or to Stockholm if they know uh, she's not, you know, what I mean, up to right. that standard. But men can be sent around, never mind how stupid he is, you know. So okay. I think that thing is still there. What will happen in an independent Namibia? Well, I am extremely, uh, well, I am conscious of that. And I'm fighting very hard to organize the women. I've been to Angola to help Marta Ford, because Marta Ford worked under different conditions at home. In the camps, it's another story. You have people on your hands 24 hours. Now, what I'm doing now is a new system of dividing women into small groups of 25 with a group leader. And now these group leaders are meeting once a week to decide on what they are going to teach the women. Be it childcare this week, nutrition next week, whatever next week. So they coordinate these things, and then every Wednesday or every two days a week, they go to each to his group, or her group rather, and then they give that. By doing this, we want to sort of pull out those women who are hidden by shyness and whatnot in a small group mm. to, to get out the potential women and give them something in future. And this is what we are doing. And I think if we continue properly, that project is going to be very good because that way you will pull out the potential uh, cadres who in a big mass group she's too shy to open her mouth in case she will say something wrong and then she's quiet but in groups of 25 you pick out these women and you know what is who, who is what and that's the way I'm trying to build the women I've uh, now busy organizing a women congress in December in Angola? in Angola, yes uh, for all Swapo women or young women ah, what am I talking? yes, all Swapo women, that's right and uh, we will set up this department we are interested in doing, we have decided to do courses uh, like sewing and knitting and home economics and driving, to drive cars. And President Sam Nuyoma is very much interested in this project, especially driving because he trusts women better than men. 